0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Boris Kudamaka from Zinvo Watches. Really, really cool story. We actually talked a lot about the wholesale side of the business and how that's really pushed a ton of international growth for them. They do great in North America as well, but they really noticed that there was a need for their product internationally. And so um, they've taken that really seriously. And we talked about how uh, they really accomplished that growth. And then we talked about some interesting Snapchat marketing techniques they at one point spent more per day on snapchat than advertisers like coca-cola so he definitely knows what he's talking about uh, when it comes to snapchat marketing and there was just a lot of really good stuff in this episode you guys are going to absolutely love it Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. I am super pumped to have Boris Kudamaka from Perfect Z- I got the name right I got the name right and now I'm thinking to myself oh my gosh I'm going to get I'm going to get your uh, company name wrong from Zinvo Watches that is an easier one Welcome to Secrets to Scaling your E-commerce Brand Boris Hey thank you for having me super excited Yeah yeah it's so nice to have you right now you are in Dubai uh, I'm in yeah. right around Van- Vancouver uh, and we're making this happen so thanks so much
1: for coming on Thank you. Yeah. So for people who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? For sure, yeah. So my name is Boris. I'm the CEO and founder of Single Watches. Uh, it's an affordable watch brand for modern men who likes unique accessories. I started in 2014. I was still a college student. Uh, this was my second e-commerce business, and I bootstrapped completely, both of them. Sorry, how, how old were you when you started? I was 23. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you said you were 14 yeah. when you started. I'm like,
0: oh my <laughs> gosh.
1: <laughs> it was in, in 2014, so six years ago. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Um, yes, that makes a lot yeah. more sense.
1: <laughs> Uh, Yeah. So now we grew into an international brand. Uh, We are present in over 150 retailers. Uh, Pretty much like I started as a lot of entrepreneurs, like one man show, uh, Mm -hmm. right? And like you do everything, you're responsible for everything. And now we are a team of 14. It's a pretty lean team, but we have two offices. One is in Los Angeles. One is in Ukraine. Uh, I'm originally from Ukraine and I came 11 years ago for school. And you know, this concept of like American dream played a certain role on my mindset. So I was looking for ways to of make it happen so decided to go with uh, like starting the brand and trying to grow
0: cool what drew you to watches like had you seen like previous brands that had done well in the watch area were you just like a huge watch fan like what what where did that come from
1: Yeah. so when I started the market was pretty saturated at the time right but with big names right so kind of like social media marketing was just started to uh, come out so the love for watches is coming from the family. Like we had a certain family collection from like grandfather and father. It it wasn't anything too expensive, like all the fancy brands nowadays, right? But it was still kind of like, I was admiring them as a kid. So I was like, always had this on the back of my mind. Yeah. And when my first e-commerce business was phone cases and phone accessories, right? So, you know, the okay. AOV there is not very high, but it's also easy for conversion. So I was like, okay, let me try to do something else with a higher AOV and like maybe higher customer retention. And I just like jumped into watches and then the market was pretty saturated. So I was like, okay, I need to do something a little bit different if I want to make this happen. And somewhat worked
0: out. Cool. What was that differentiator for you? Like comparatively to some of the other brands <coughs> that were out there? I mean, uh, I'm thinking I've, I've actually had a few of the, of the bigger watch brands on I've had like Vincero. I've had the CMO from movement <laughs> on yeah, yeah. where, where do you fit in, in all of that?
1: Yeah, so if you look at the market, uh, it's a lot of like micro brands who started with like a simple design, right? That appeals to everyone. And that's exactly the way I started in 2014. But it was mostly like my market test and the segment. So we came out with a $119 watch pretty easy. And I was like, okay, let me just go for it. But I had the idea of like something more unique, which is our blade line, right? It it has a one second spin turbine where we replace the seconds hand with like a turbine. And it has inspiration from like motorsports. I'm a huge fan of cars and the aviation, right? So it's kind of like going from there. So this concept took two years to develop. And then at that time, I was already one year into the business of testing like how the watches, how the customers react to like a you watch brand on social media. And then the moment we come out with the blade, we grow 12 times the next month, right? So like we wow. introduced the blade on, uh, in 2015. Instagram just launched the videos like four days before. So it was the perfect timing to kind of like show the rotating turbine on the watch. So it was like, okay, let me just post it. And if people don't like it, I'll just remove it because I just kind of like did samples. But the response was crazy. And we sold, I think, I think over 600 pieces in the first month. Wow. So that wow. Was cra- which is, yeah, which was, is huge was, when you're first starting, right? Like Yeah, exactly. I mean, the watch was like $220. So like it was pretty interesting to see this uh, growth right away. And I was like, okay, this is something different to other brands, people positively reacting to it. It's not for everyone, right? Like I cannot say that we are selling as many watches as MVMT, for example, right? Like, but we are different. So it catches people's attention. So I think the differentiator was uh, this at the time.
0: Cool. I love it. I'd love to talk about your use of brick and mortar stores and some of your international Mm -hmm. growth, right? So that's, that's totally different than what we normally talk about on here. For people who have listened to this for a while, though, they, they know that, I love brick and mortar stories as well. I love the Mm -hmm. the wholesale aspect of things from a marketing standpoint, all of that. Can you talk to me about your, like, the way that you got into brick and mortar stores mm-hmm. and what it's done for your brand?
1: Uh, for sure. So starting as social media e-commerce brand, right? Like pretty much you just start doing a lot of content, a lot of influencer marketing and all this stuff. So back then in 2014 and 15, there were no insights on Instagram. There was no any analytics, right? So you pretty much like, oh, I, I like this influencer. I like his style. So let me just ship a watch chain, right? And then all of a sudden you see an influx of traffic uh, and just on Google Analytics, you start seeing like, oh, it's coming from international, it's coming from the US. So, of course, conversions happen, but at the same time, it's if you're a US based brand, a lot of people from international who are coming, they have a concern of like, oh, like, will it arrive to me? What are the import duties? Like, all this stuff, right? So, yeah, totally. Kind of like we started boosting a lot of influencer marketing, taking advantage of those times when it used to work like, and bring a lot of results. And then we had kind of like a concern about, customers overseas, not being able to get access to our brand, not being able to buy our product or see it in person. Right. So kind of like, I had an idea of reaching out to certain retailers uh, that I could find on Instagram, like pop-up stores, concept stores, where we could say like, hey, can we ship five of our watches to you? And then at a certain wholesale price. And so this was two, three years into uh, after we started, right? So it was already like certain social media value of the brand. Like we had, I think over 50 or 60,000 followers. So nothing too crazy. But, and then on this point, like when we were starting posting like, hey, we're now available in Dubai store, we're now available in London. Other retailers started coming and say like, hey, we actually want to carry your brand in our store right so we developed this whole like concept of retailers a retailer network and then when we would post on social media and someone from dubai would message us saying like hey how can i buy your watch we're like hey we're actually in these retailers locally so you can go there you can try on the watch you can see how it feels you can pay cash for it if you prefer the cash payment and you don't have to do like importation duties and wait and all this stuff so kind of like building the brand based on social media but having like an international customer in mind that's what kind of like drew us more towards uh, distribution business I would say and now we're like in 150 retailers but we don't deal directly with them right now we go through a distributor right like for example there's a distributor in Indonesia right and we come to them and they say like hey I have a network of like 35 stores and you can see a list. Before COVID, I used to travel there and visit all the retailers, right? Like that's the beauty of this distribution business and international business. It's like you travel, you see all the different cultures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's like, for example, in Dubai, people like black watches, but in Asia they like gold watches, right? So it's like you always see the customer, you try to understand their style. So that's kind of like how we got into it. And it's been a successful strategy for us just because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of brands have philosophy of like, oh, we cut out the middleman just because like we want to bring it cheaper to you, right? But yeah. I don't think we're an expensive brand. We're like in $250, $300 price point for like a nice automatic watch with like great movement from Seiko. But we're just trying to make it accessible to the consumer. So we're still building the brand about the cons- around the consumer. It's just yeah. we're making it easier for them to acquire it.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's great stuff. I'd love to chat marketing now you know mm-hmm. is, as far as marketing is concerned some of the stuff that you know that i had been reading before about what you guys are doing is pretty heavy on snapchat yeah, talk to me a little bit about what's working over there on Snapchat. I think a lot of people are interested in diversifying their, their traffic sources right now.
1: So Snapchat, we had the huge success story when they just launched ads and I happened to know someone internally and they gave us beta access, right? to Snapchat ads. They had no pixel at the time. They had pretty much like you launch traffic, you see Google Analytics just spike, right? And then yeah, you shut yeah. it down and then that's it. So we launched a couple of ads for the US, right? And the audience of Snapchat at that time, it was 2017. It was mostly like 15, 16-year-old kids that didn't have a credit card or they would need uh, a parent approval to complete the purchase online, right? Uh, so we ran for like a week, didn't see a single conversion, like maybe spent like $2,000 there. And then coming from like, again, international partners, feedback, they say like in Middle East, we have a lot of people using Snapchat. So I'm like, okay, let me test this. So we launched the ads, immediate trials of like four or five X without anything. Like without any efforts, you just launch one creative, one copy and just swap and then kind of like work like this for a week. And then I'm like, okay, cool. It's, but we have a lot of customer service inquiries coming in, in Arabic language, right? So we start translating them and they're like, Hey, how do I purchase this? So I'm like, okay, it's time to launch a clone with Arabic language in their own currency with a currency switch for all the Middle East countries and drive traffic there. Gotcha. So with gotcha. That's very super smart, Boris. I love that. Uh, so, we uh, turned this around pretty much just to clone the website, pay someone to translate it in 48 hours. We're live, start spending four or five thousand dollars a day on Snapchat, driving back like 15 000 to 20 thousand dollars in revenue. I consider it extremely successful because it was kind of like quick, right? And then yeah. uh, the, the issue with this, oh, we were spending. We were top spending clients in Snapchat, spending more than Apple and Coca-Cola at the time. Like my account manager from Snap reaches out and is like, dude, what are you guys doing? Like you're spending $5,000 a day on the beta and you don't even have proper tracking. I'm like, I will come in. I will explain. <laughs> so yeah. So they invited me to their Venice headquarters uh, and they're like CMO, CFO were there. They were just like, tell us what you need, how you're doing this and then why. So I kind of like explained everything to them. But of course, like we were testing other countries too. But at that time in Asia, they were there was like no users of Snapchat. In the US, it was a different audience. So the issue with Snapchat at the time, we shut it down in three months because the market is not very big. So it got saturated. Our You know how on Facebook ads, you have frequency. So our frequency yeah. in GCC was 40 times. Uh, oh, so wow. in, 24 hours, in 24 hours, each user would see our ad, only one creative because there was no test of creatives, 40 yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe like two months later after the launch, we meet with our GCC partner in the US and, and he's like, can you guys shut down your ads? Like we go on Snapchat and we always get interrupted by your ad. It's just like, there was not enough audience for Snapchat algorithm to serve enough people. Yeah. So, but it wow. was successful over overall. I think it was 4.5 for us. And we generated like, close to a million dollars uh, in revenue in like two months, probably two and a half months.
0: Wow. Amazing. Have you been seeing su- success like that on TikTok?
1: No, we are just starting to test here in GCC as well. In Dubai, it's pretty big, but TikTok is all about the content. So you need to invest into a different content, right? So it's either with certain creators. So if it's just paid advertising with like a specific product video, it doesn't do well. Click rate is very low. It's half of a percent. Okay. It's still a cheap click, but it's a very low.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. we. I mean, I, I'd still, I'd love to bring on a TikTok marketing expert to this podcast at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that there are I don't know if there are any yet. You know, it's
1: it's yeah. still so new right now yeah. in the in the paid space. So yeah, correct. Uh, I mean, we we have an, an account. We tested U.S., Europe, Asia, and Middle East. The Middle okay. East tends to have a bit better statistics, but still, like no conversions or anything coming in. So we're just putting it on pause. I hoped it would be the same as Snapchat, but unfortunately not.
0: Yeah, I, I've heard some really good things from um, people in my mastermind about mm-hmm. trying out TikTok. With a bit of a lower ticket item, it seems to work really, really well. They're yeah. seeing super positive results. But uh, but again, it's it's one of those brand new advertising platforms that it's going to take a while, right, before they yeah. get it. I feel like Snapchat is sure. just there now, right? Like Snapchat's finally there where it's fairly predictable and people aren't really hopping on board. And so hopefully TikTok can yeah. get
1: there. Yeah. Uh Yeah, we're, st- we're still doing a, l- a little bit of Snapchat, just kind of like to turn on the test and see how it performs. But the budgets are very small. It's probably like $100 per day. We run it for a week, see the analytics, and then we just shut it down if it's not working. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Awesome. Boris, I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. What is your secret to scaling?
1: Secret to scaling, I would say it's a good product that can be a little bit different from what it is out there, right? Like from the competition, it's either, for example, for a clothing company, it's a better materials that are used or like for us, for example, what the secret was a different watch concept. Yeah. So I think it's a product. Of course, it's better be affordable because people now know everything that I would say like we are not a premium brand that would have just like a thousand USD, right? For a watch. So I would say it's the product and the team behind it because if you get all passionate people who are like believing in a company and just like working overtime and like, hey, this is what we have to do and they want to build something big when they say like for example hey i'm a part of this company and yeah. they can be proud of it so i think that's a secret to scaling and uh, of course like we had different people in our team right like some were motivated some were not yeah. and 100 everything depends on the team and the product behind it yeah
0: totally totally oh this is great stuff boris uh we're gonna move on to our lightning round here okay what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now
1: right now i like asana task management just because like it's an easy way to stake in the team get updates on the projects because like we are not working just on our project but also for projects on our partners international yeah. right like we need to adjust the pricing based on the currency we need to launch the website clone for them we need to do like some facebook marketing to drive some traffic retargeting for their website so it's a lot of stuff on our plates right and asana just track all of this, the progress and stuff. For personal, I like things. It's another task management, but it's mostly a daily checklist. I like Clavio for email marketing. I think it's probably the best tool out there for e-commerce just because it integrates perfectly with Shopify and like all the stuff you can see about any customer and segmentation. It's perfect.
0: I think on the Clavio side too, like I've got some friends who are, you know, testing out some different email platforms. The issue Mm -hmm. with that is that everyone's building all of their integrations with Clavio in mind, you know?
1: So it's Like, why would you not yeah. use Clavio? Like,
0: it's just, exactly. it's where all the integrations are happening. So, yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, we, we started using Clavio from day one and we're still using it. And it's like, it just does everything we want, it, we want it to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Another question for you. What's your favorite podcast or audio book that you're listening to right now?
1: Podcast. Um, I don't have a specific one. I uh, listen to many e-commerce podcasts, just like on the different topics, uh, whenever I have time, uh, just because like, even though we're doing a lot of wholesale business, I'm still a e-commerce spirit, right? Just because that's totally. how we started. And I like all the like conversions and metrics and pixels. So I just find a topic that they want to listen about or just come across. So i listen to a decent bunch. I I can't remember exact names, but it's mostly e-commerce podcasts. So I can get some useful information out of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Love it. That's great. Uh, Another question for you. Last question. If you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, uh, they have to be alive. Who would it be?
1: Probably Jack Welch from General Electric. Oh, that's a good answer. Yeah. That's a great answer. Uh, The reason for this is I think he's the best manager in the world. Like he could build the company and people, unite people around the idea. Uh, Some skill that I would, this skill always needs improvement. And this is something that I'm working towards. But again, like when you're not a big team, you need to like perfectly manage everyone. But a lot of times you just want to do it yourself because it's quicker, right? So I think Jack Walsh (laughs) would be probably my... (laughs) go to for now, like till I, and maybe for the next couple of years, just because I know that I won't become a much better manager than I am right now today. I'm trying to, but still it takes a lot of time and skills.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, great answer. Boris, it was so nice to have you on uh, the podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. Where can people find out more about you and more about Zimvo?
1: So our website is ZinvoWatches.com. Our Instagram is just at Zimvo. My personal Instagram is at b.y.k. My initials pretty much. Okay. LinkedIn by my name, Boris Kodamaka. I can send you some links so you can include them. Um, perfect. Perfect. Below. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll put that all in the show notes.
0: Any closing thoughts before we uh before we end this?
1: I guess to all the listeners is I would say never be afraid of pursuing whatever you do. But at the same time, you always need to watch the trends. And if you have a certain uh, skill, uh, apply it to your maximum, right? Uh, To whatever you do. And then if you have a certain direction, you're going to like, for example, starting e-commerce brand for myself, there was a goal, right? But we kind of shifted into wholesale business and it's doing great for us. So it's something that we adjust along the way. So this is something I would just remind uh, your listeners too, is like... uh, watch where you're going and then choose the right path. Awesome. Love it. If works. it's working, yeah.
0: Thanks. Thanks again so much for your time and for, uh, yeah, I'm sure our listeners will get a ton
1: out of this one. Thank you so much. sir. Sure. Uh, the reason for this is I think he's the best manager in the world like he could build the company and people unite people around the idea uh some skill that i would this skill always needs improvement and this is something that i'm working towards but again like when you're not a big team you need to like perfectly manage everyone but a lot of times you just want to do it yourself because it's quicker right so yeah. i think jack walsh would be <laughs> probably my go to for now like till I, and maybe for the next couple of years just because i know that I won't become a much better manager than i am right now today I'm trying to but still it takes a lot of time and skills
0: yeah 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 oh great answer Boris it was so nice to have you on uh, the podcast i really really appreciate your time where can people find out more about you and more about Zinvo?
1: so our website is zinvowatches.com. our instagram is just at Zimbo my personal instagram is at b my initials pretty much okay LinkedIn, by my name, Boris Kodamaka. I can send you some links so you can include them. Um, perfect, perfect. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll put that all in the show notes. Any
0: closing thoughts before we uh, before we end this?
1: I guess to all the listeners is, I would say never be afraid of pursuing whatever you do, but at the same time, you always need to watch the trends and if you have a certain uh, skill uh, applied to your maximum, right, uh, to whatever you do. And then if you have a certain direction you're going to, like for example, starting an e commerce brand for myself, there was a goal, right? But we kind of shifted into wholesale business and it's doing great for us. So it's something that we adjust along the way. So this is something I would just remind your listeners to is like, uh, watch where you're going and then choose the right path. Awesome. Love it If for It's us. working. Yeah.
0: Thanks, thanks again so much for your time and for, uh, yeah, I'm sure our listeners will get a ton out of this one. Thank you so much. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing.